All right, this is your place's call. You are listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by the backstage blonde herself, Teal Dwarnik. Teal has worked as a dresser on Broadway and is known for her popular social media accounts where she shares theater history, exclusive behind the scenes access to Broadway and the performing arts industry and New York City living. Teal, thank you so much for taking the time today. How are you doing? Oh, good. Thanks for having me. We're so stoked to have you on. This is super, super exciting for us. Y'all are adorable. Let's jump right <laughs> in. What do you want to know? Okay, well, jumping right in, we always start with our 60-second life story. So Emily will start the timer and then just tell us your life in 60 seconds. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, I'm just going to pop up my iPhone timer. <laughs> Here we okay. go. So I was born and raised in Clearwater, Florida, and I grew, I hit puberty so hard and I was like 10 years old. I was five, eight by the time I was 13. So I was very curvy and just felt very awkward and uncomfortable in my skin. And that's when I became obsessed with Teen Vogue, obsessed with Rachel Zoe. And I wanted to be a fashion stylist and designer to make people feel beautiful. So fast forward to college, uh, I transferred universities my sophomore year and they didn't have a fashion program, but they had a theater department. And I fell head over heels in love with costuming and it, the collaborative effort that theater is. And from the age of 19, Broadway was my goal. And I achieved it at the age of 24 and have lived in New York uh, seven years in September. And I've been to 33 different countries. I'm currently back in Florida for a little bit uh, before I head back to the city. But okay, yeah, five, five four, three, two. I think I nailed it, right? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> so Growing up in Florida, was theater like a part of your life in any capacity or was that something that like just came on your radar right in college? Yeah, I mean, I'd always been a fan, of course, like we had the Wicked and Legally Blonde CDs in my mom's car growing up and my uh, my grandparents had season tickets to, you know, the big performing arts center in Tampa that all the national tours would come through. But I was not, it's tricky because I, I wasn't a theater kid. I just had a deep appreciation and love for it. But I didn't know Adina Menzel's name. <laughs> so when I was a theater, became a theater major at the age of 19, I was so hardcore because it was like all that high school theater kid energy crammed into one year. So yeah, one of my like famous quotes uh, in my university theater department, it was my junior year. And I like yelled at the freshman in the green room and was like, if you're not here to be on Broadway, you're wasting everyone's time. You should get out like just so intense for no reason. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I do that, man. <laughs> I love that. Just a scary upperclassman. Yeah. And with, <laughs> like really low stakes, but I feel like that's kind of how everyone's theater department is, you know? Yeah. I would say that. That, that would definitely be Emily and me. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of coming in, you talk about coming in as a fashion design sort of inspiration what was that transition like going from fashion design into theater tech? Like, how did you make that leap? What was that process like coming into college? Well, I think like the, one of the biggest like learning curves for me was the, you know, five foot, 15 foot rule that you have as a wardrobe person in any costume shop across America. Like this, the costumes do not have to be 100% perfect in the way that they do for fashion design. So I was so used to like meticulously, every single detail of the garment had to be perfect. And 
multiple times, like the wardrobe mistress at my university would be like, no, you got to pick up the pace. Like we are not looking for perfection. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm a perfectionist. I can't imagine <laughs> not being able to let go. So yeah. in an interview that you did with Broadway Direct a couple of years back, you're kind of talking about your college production of Richard III, which was kind of your inaugural, I'm, I'm in love with theater now. So give us kind of a walkthrough of that process and like kind of that experience, how that was the thing that made you fall in love with theater. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the fall semester. It was the first show the theater department was putting on that year. And I, I was just completely like adopted into the theater department. It became like an immediate family, you know, in the way that anyone has experienced the community that uh, theater fosters naturally. And so lots of late nights in the costume shop and sewing period gowns. And it was just so cool and exciting, like seeing, you know, like these pieces of fabric, like come to life because of me. And then suddenly they're on stage and, and I also got to be a dresser for that show. So yeah, it was, it was really exciting and fun. And I, you know, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone at this new school. So just getting to know the other theater majors and learning more about like what my new major would even entail and watching the design process, you know, obviously an upperclassman was designing that show. It was all just fascinating. I was thrilled to be there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess set the scene, like what, what's going through your head in, in those late nights in the costume shop? Like, what is that like in that first experience for you? It was just kind of electric. Um, I am an Enneagram three, so I really thrive on achieving things <laughs> in my everyday life. So it just felt really good to work hard. Yeah. It was really, really good. And I was, I was coming from a very, very different academic setting at my, my last university. So it was like, it was 180. I was just really, really focused on school over partying, which, you know, my parents were thrilled about. <laughs> but I think the big takeaway for any, like of my little sisters listening out there is that you just never know. You just never know what's going to happen in your life. And I, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I think that really beautiful things can come out of like hard decisions. Like it was hard. It was a hard decision that I made to transfer. And like, I was really taking, you know, just a step into the unknown. I didn't know what like being a theater major would entail. I didn't even know like what career path that could take me on. And here I am now, you know, like I work at the greatest show in the entire world, Wicked. So you just, even, even on days when life seems impossible, like something good can still happen. Yeah, that's amazing. And Emily and I can confirm that Wicked is the greatest show ever. So. <laughs> so fast forward, you moved to the city. What was your first reaction? And like, what did you think about the city those first few months? Well, so right after I graduated from college, I worked at Stage Store Manor, this legendary kids theater camp in upstate New York. So that was like a little tease of like New York city. You know, I flew into the city, but then had to take a bus upstate. But you know, once camp was over, I went and stayed in the city for a few days. And I was like, I have got to get back here. And my means to an end to get back to New York city and be able to like thrive and support myself was I went and worked on cruise ships for two years and just saved a ton of money, traveled the world. I was a wardrobe supervisor on board ships for the singers and dancers and the production cast. And then, yeah, I moved to the city in the fall of 2014 and it was just, I mean, it was electric. Like I was so happy every day, but I also hit the ground running. 
I definitely did not have a normal like early 20s in NYC experience that most people have, like going out every night and going to brunch and stuff. Like I was there with a purpose. So I would, you know, just be hustling, getting my resume out there. I worked at the Queens Theater. That was like my first job um, in the city as a wardrobe supervisor. And it's wild because one of the stars of the play that I was working on uh, was the original Nessa Rose in Wicked, Michelle Federer. So, and she married Norman Leo Butts. They met backstage at Wicked. So it, it was just one of those full circle moments. Like I was literally like at the show when I got the email from Wicked that they wanted me to come in and interview. So... <laughs> Yeah. So three months after after I moved to the city, I started working at Wicked on like January 4th, 2015. I'll never forget. And then from there, it was my schedule got even more intense because I started as a swing dresser. And for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know in any like backstage crew position, they have like a B team who are swings who aren't full-time members of the team but if someone calls out sick or goes on vacation there are people trained in the you you know in the union that can like hop in and work the show so I learned like gosh seven or eight different tracks at Wicked and then in July of 2015 I started working at Aladdin and then I swung 16 tracks between the two shows and I was babysitting during the day so I'd babysit all day go swing a show at night it was it was really intense I did not have a social life but it was all worth it (laughs) so you know you very lax schedule not too insane (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Okay, so this is something that I think is the coolest thing and something that I just recently learned about kind of looking into this for this podcast, really, but looking into kind of swing dressing. So you had to learn so many tracks at once. How did you keep that all straight in your head? Like, it's kind of like, I mean, it's a big puzzle. Or I think my favorite analogy is like the time turner in um, The Prisoner of Azkaban. You know how like the same exact thing is happening at the same exact time every single day. So if you can get that in your head, you can be like, okay, so that basket that in like, you know, track number one that I leave there, track number two picks it up late. So it's just like, you just learn how you like fit into the puzzle, but everything backstage, everything backstage is so choreographed, like down to like when you're allowed to move your body. Yeah. Like there are different cues at Wicked where it's like, okay, one green man, two green men. Okay. Now you can go. It's like, yeah, it's wild. And also, you know, it's Broadway. It's the best, the best. So everyone backstage just wants to see you thrive. So yeah, being a swing is really, really intense. And that's part of the reason I didn't have a social life because I wanted to be the best. So I would go home at night and like make flashcards, memorize the track. So I could walk in the next day and just knock it out of the park. That's amazing. I love it. (laughs) I give you massive credit. That seems next to impossible. So mad props to you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So I guess even, I mean, you say you didn't have a social life, but you talk about how the city is the best in the world and, you know, loving it and getting there and kind of living your best life despite the lack of a social life. So what, what would you say makes the city stand out to you is like, this is the place, especially after doing so much traveling on cruise ships and seeing so much of the world. The energy and the electricity, there's just, there's no place like New York in the entire world. Uh, it's, it's such an amazing city. And obviously I'm very partial to Manhattan. It's the only place I've ever lived. And it's just, 
I mean, every single city block is just like oozing with history and there's just so much to learn. And I think another one of my favorite things about New York is, you know, compared to some European cities that just feel a little stale and sleepy, New York is constantly reinventing itself. Like it's a living organism. It's continually growing and morphing and changing and bits die and then new ones reappear. And that's why all throughout this pandemic, whenever anyone is like, oh, New York's not the same. I was like, what does that mean? Like that sentence actually doesn't make any sort of sense. Cause like, do you think that the people, you know, pre the great depression were like, oh, it's not the same. No, it's just like, it's New York. It's always going to change. You always just got to keep moving. I'm sorry that you can't go to brunch right now like but it's still New York (laughs) I New York it can't die like it can never be yeah another reason that I love it so much is like you can just walk down the street and like run into someone you know or just be like hey what do you want to do tonight I don't know let's just wander around like the amount of time like my my best friend Kaylee and our favorite game to play together is just like we just wander and then we take turns like choosing if we're turning right or left and then we just like end up in a bar and you know it's just like there's so much to explore all the time. So I guess in conclusion, it's a great city if you have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> I think we have to do that when the I world's back open. I think we have to do, yeah. do that. <laughs> Very fun game. Oh, I miss the city. It's my my favorite place in the world. I, I'm dying to move over there. <laughs> Just, yeah, the electricity of it. It's the best place in the world. I love it. Yeah. So out of every place that you've been in New York City, what are your favorite spots that only real New Yorkers know about? Oh, that's so hard. I mean, I think any place in the West Village is impossibly cool and chic. There's so many wonderful restaurants and bars there. I love this one tiny bar called Employees Only. That's a, that's a cool one that only locals know about. What are some other fun things? Um, oh, that's just, that's so hard. Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of a wealth of knowledge in this area. So then it just gets it's overwhelming to just choose one thing. Uh, <laughs> during the summer, Sheep's Meadow is like a whole social scene <laughs> in Central Park. Yeah, they're just like all sorts of different pockets uh, to explore. I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> See, I'm trying to get Jesse to come with me to the village because I'm obsessed with the village. It's like my favorite place. And every time I tell her, I'm like, Jesse, we have to go to the village. <laughs> so I agree with you. West Village, 100%. So much culture there. So I guess looking back at your time in the city, what piece of advice would you give somebody, you know, not based on anybody in this Zoom call? who wants to move to the city and like looking ahead, what, what advice would you give someone who's looking to move to New York? Well, it's tricky because, you know, I love being a cheerleader and being like, go chase your dreams. But especially now, uh, I just feel like people need to be realistic (laughs) because yeah, living in Manhattan is my favorite thing. It makes me impossibly happy every single day, but a lot of kids at home um, just don't fully understand how expensive it is. So, you know, I have a lot of friends or, you know, even my parents, like I pay more in rent than most people pay on their mortgage. And that's just the facts. So yeah, chase your dreams, but also be realistic. 
about, you know, I mean, the current theater situation that's happening in New York right now, and also about your financial situation, because, yeah, it's, it's an expensive place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So keeping up with making that crazy rent, you're working at Wicked, you even mentioned like working babysitting during the day, but I guess let's break down kind of what your role as a dresser entails on Broadway and like what a day in your life looks like to get to work and what you do at your job. Yeah. So I've been a full-time dresser since 2016. I was full-time at Aladdin for nine months after working at Radio City dressing the Rockettes for a Christmas show. And then Wicked stole me back and I've been full-time there since 2017. And uh, so as a dresser, you arrive uh, two and a half hours before the half hour call. And the half hour call is like when all the actors have to be in the building. So half hour before the show begins. So we get to the theater and then wait for like the call sheet. So we know what actors are in the show that night or what swings are replacing people. And then we preset all the costumes. So at Wicked, it's the Gershwin Theater is gigantic. So we don't keep the costumes backstage overnight. We bring everything up during our presetting time on big rolling racks. And then that's when we like from there, like set up the quick change booths, set up, you know, the preset baskets for really fast changes that happen like in the wings and not in a booth. And, you know, if there's like any sort of minor repair that the day workers miss, you know, I'll do like some light hand sewing. And then I pretty much just plant myself in the female ensemble dressing room to, you know, once the girls all start getting ready for the show, I help them in any way, get them zipped up and yeah, then it's showtime. So then backstage, once the show starts, I'm literally in the wings, quick changing people, keeping everything organized. And it's nice because the way that the show runs, uh, act two isn't very ensemble heavy. So during that act, we reset the show for the next day, as well as continue to like, you know, change the girls into whatever they're doing. That's so cool. It's so yeah. interesting learning about all this backstage stuff. So right? going back people so know my oh. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about Wicked what do you think was your favorite part about the job compared to Aladdin like how did it differ and like what were your favorite parts about both oh gosh what a hard question it's it's I can't even compare the two because they're such different experiences Wicked has always been home based you know I feel like that's like where I grew up um yeah I started working there as like a 24 year old like brand new to Broadway it was my first show and so yeah, I definitely feel like I grew up there and I mean, I love those costumes. They're so fun to play with and I, I love how big it is. I love how many people there are in the building, but then Aladdin was an amazing magical experience because it was a very young show. So it was very young, you know, <clears throat> Broadway debut, excuse me, uh, strong camaraderie, very, very strong community, very much a family atmosphere. Uh, it was like one of the best experiences of my life. And I also became best friends with my other best friend, LJ there. And uh, some of the girls that I dressed, I still consider like big sisters. Yeah, working in Aladdin was was pretty unreal. Everyone would like, some nights people would just stay in the dressing rooms and, you know, talk or like we'd open a bottle of wine. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Yeah. So I guess, how would you say that sort of camaraderie 
impacted the work? Like, did that make it, what about that camaraderie would you say was like the best part of it for you? I think that, cause it wasn't like clocking in and clocking out. I was so excited to go to work every day, like truly thrilled. And then, you know, after work, we would all go out together. And I think that's one of the saddest parts of the Broadway shutdown during this pandemic is our community is just so unique and so small and tight knit and most people left the city. So, you know, like in any other community, yeah, it's like COVID affected everyone in some way, but like communities weren't completely disbanded in the way that ours was. Um, so yeah, this past summer being in the city, like I'm glad I got to be there. It was a really unique time in New York's history, but it was, it was really sad. Like Hell's Kitchen was not the same. It was very, very empty without, you know, all those gay chorus boys running around. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been back since the pandemic. I can't imagine. The summer must have been very funky. <laughs> yeah, it was fun downtown, but I think it's Hell's Kitchen is going to take a while to come back. Yeah, for sure. So I guess looking ahead, um, people who are looking to come into the industry post shutdown, what's a piece of advice that you would give somebody who's looking into becoming a dresser on Broadway? This is a hard question <laughs> because, you know, once again, it's like, I don't want to squish anyone's dreams, but it was a pretty unattainable job pre-pandemic. The, the career that I've had is kind of unheard of and how quickly it all happened for me. And I think it's going to be next to impossible once Broadway reopens, because think about it. It's not just like an unattainable dream. It like, there are literally only 41 Broadway theaters. There are very few gigantic musicals like Wicked. So we have 12 dresses on our team. Aladdin has 15, like, you know, like think about six they don't change costumes. There's a wardrobe supervisor and an assistant. That's it. They don't have a team of dressers. So there are like less than 800 people, even in our wardrobe union. So yeah, it's just, it's really, really hard and really tricky. And if, if you're listening to this and the love and passion for costumes burns deeply in your soul, sure. Come to New York, give it a go, like try the off-Broadway scene. Um, but I think that if I was a graduating senior, I would get as much experience as I possibly could before getting to the city. Cause like, I mean, that's the other thing is like, you know, people, people love Broadway so much, but it's literally the best of the best. This is the highest level of theater in the English speaking world. It's like going to play for the NFL, you know, and it's awkward and hard sometimes because I get these, these kids who are either they didn't get into a musical theater program. So now they want to be like me and be a dresser, which was never my path. This is, you know, I'd never wanted to be an actor or performer. So like, that's a little weird in the first place, but then, um, I don't know. I just, I think, Oh, I feel like I'm rambling. I just like, I really do worry about some seniors right now. I got a DM the other day from this girl who's like, I love costume design and I'm moving to NYC. And I was like, literally don't do that. Do not do that. Go into your, you know, your hometown or, you know, another big city and like 
volunteer for the community theater there, like get an internship at a children's theater. That's what I did. Like every single summer I was like interning, volunteering, getting as many design credits as I could. And you know, the stage door and the cruise ships, it's like all of that, like brought me to where I am. I worked extremely hard for the career that I've had, but, um, yeah, it's just going to be even harder now. So if you really, really want to be a costume designer and not a dresser, I would say take this time, get experience and go get your master's degree. Because being a costume designer, that's that's a whole different union. That's a whole other bear. Uh, a lot of people think that like being a dresser and being a costume designer is the same thing. And it's completely different. Um, different, different like career paths or trajectories. Yeah, I feel like there's still more to say. Do you want to ask another question and rein me in a little bit? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think that's great. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. realistic. It's just like a very realistic answer. Yeah, because it's like, like I said, you know, Broadway is the best of the best in every single field, stage hands, you know, everyone backstage, everyone on stage. Uh, and we've all been out of work for over a year. So not in a mean way, but like, come on, you, you just graduated from college. Like we've, we literally have not had a job. Like you're not going to get one. <laughs> You know, and I, and it makes me mad at professors. How is nobody else having this conversation? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And that's another thing. I, I had a, I had a really good talk with um, a kid in college who was kind of like questioning if they wanted to go into theater or not. And I was like, you know what? You could always like choose another career path that will fund your passion for theater. Like theater can always be in your life just like it'll be a lot more fun if you have money <laughs> that's how emily and i feel so yeah so you can love theater no matter what whether you pursue it as a professional or not but save that money yes definitely so switching gears you have a very popular social media account so how did you become the backstage blonde like what was that like well, when I was working in Aladdin, LJ and I helped our friend Courtney, who originated the role of Princess Jasmine, start this choker company called Gag Chokers. And it was like during, you know, Snapchat was super popular at the time. And I just noticed that people were so much more engaged and interested in seeing our lives, like hanging out in her dressing room and being idiots backstage than they were when we would do like, you know, super like glammed out photo shoots. And I was like, wait, there's something there. And then on top of the fact that like, there was a giant gap in the market for any sort of Broadway influencer. No one was doing it at the time. No one was making Broadway and theater cool. There, I like theater merch is, you know, pretty dorky across the board and no one was making anything that I would ever wear. And so I decided to like fill that hole and um, yeah, you know, it took some like trial and error and we finally got to the name, the backstage blonde. And so I'm a registered trademark and an LLC and yeah, I launched it in 2017. So what is that? Like four years ago. And yeah, it's just, it's been really, really fun, especially like throughout this, you know, crazy, horrible year of the pandemic, like still having a, a creative outlet has been, yeah, a real <laughs> real lifesaver. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm a total nerd, but I'm really curious as to the process of like becoming a trademark LLC. Like how did that, how did you have to, what process did you have to go through in order to make that happen? I hired a intellectual property lawyer 
who like specializes in yeah creative law so yeah I just my dad's a lawyer so I like have every like having everything protected so if you want to start a blog or you know be an influencer number one buy the domain names get that dot com number two just start stop comparing yourself to other people and just start writing because you're only going to improve. You're only going to get better. Your first, like the first stuff you put out there, like eventually you will feel embarrassed by it. I do. Uh, but you know, I think that's part of it. Like, don't wait. Like if you want to do something, just go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about your Instagram account, one of the things that I love following is all of your Broadway history, Broadway trivia, New York trivia. So I guess, how do you come to learn? Like, how did you learn all of this stuff? Where does this bounty of knowledge come from? It's all self-taught. I mean, my parents were both history majors. So I grew up in like a family that's very passionate about history and, you know, visiting museums and historical sites on family vacations. But when I first started the blog, you know, I, I did a, a blog post about why is it called the great white way? And, you know, like how did Times Square get its name? And so I really just started with like, questions that I wanted to know as like a Broadway person. And from there, like the history of New York is just so deep and fascinating. And there's just so many like fun little facts all throughout it. And, uh, I just couldn't stop. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's really is like when you like go to like do any sort of research on New York city, it's a, it's a rabbit hole because everything's connected in some way. It's really interesting. Definitely. So out of all of the fun trivia and facts that you've shared, what do you think is the coolest piece of history that you like to share? The coolest? Oh, that's so hard. Um, I'll give you like two or three. So the Booth Theater, which is like right behind the Schubert, it's one of the oldest theaters on Broadway. And it's named after Edwin Booth, who was like one of the most famous actors in the early 1900s. He was an American and his stupid younger brother was John Willicks Booth who assassinated Lincoln. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I know. That's how annoying insane. to like be that older sibling. Yeah. Uh, another one that I recently learned that I think is so funny is Macy, like the guy who started the department store when he was 19 years old, he was working on a whaling vessel off the coast of Maine and got a red star tattoo on his hand. And then later in life, when he started his business, that became the symbol. <laughs> right? I it's like there's just so the same many, way. Oh my God. Yeah. There's just so many like fun little facts like here and there. And uh, David Belasco, who like was not a great man, uh, was one of the fathers of American theater. He was really into realism. And he, in the Belasco theater, was the first time that like a sunset had ever like happened on stage. So that was pretty cool. Or like he would have like working ovens, like baking cookies and like, you know, so people would be actually like cooking on stage. And he was also very close friends with Tiffany who was really into stained glass. A lot of people don't know that, but if you go to the Met, you can see a lot of Tiffany stained glass there. So there are these like gigantic, like Tiffany chandeliers and like a large collection of Tiffany stained glass in the Blasco theater. Wait, that's so cool. I know. I can keep going. I just have so many like weird little nuggets. <laughs> I feel I like 
I could sit and listen to this forever. Like, seriously, I love your account for this. <laughs> like, it's just right. Isn't it so interesting? Well, yeah. like, that was the other thing is like, I don't know, because I'm not, I love theater, but I'm not a theater fan in the way that people just sit online and watch bootlegs of their favorite stars. I'm just so much more interested in the architecture and like what was happening at the time and uh, the way these theaters were built. That's another thing, you know, when it comes to like, I want to work on Broadway, like as a dresser. Well, you know, they're most of these theaters were built before the great depression. So they're very, very small backstage. And a lot of them were even like built to be playhouses. So the prom barely fit in the long acre theater. Cause like, it's so tiny. Uh, like the dressing rooms are really, really small. Cause it was meant to be a playhouse. That's crazy. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Like another thing that we wouldn't know, but also Emily and I are definitely the theater nerds that will sit and watch bootlegs for hours. So. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, um, Broadway producers, they have to just like sit and kind of like watch the clock. It's getting a Broadway theater. It's like a game of musical chairs because it's not just about getting a theater. It's about getting the right one. Is it going to be able to fit your cast and crew? Like, <laughs> and that's such yeah. an interesting thing that like, I don't know. I always for like something that you have to consider of like, yeah, how does a show fit? I mean, when I saw the prom, that theater, just even the house feels tiny. Like, yeah, all choreographed. Wild. So thinking about your accounts as a whole, what would you say is your favorite aspect of running all of your social media? Like what's the best part of it for you? I mean, pre-pandemic still, I still really love connecting like with my followers and a lot of them have become friends, which is really cool. But pre-pandemic, the best part of being the backstage blonde was meeting people at the stage door. It made me so happy. Uh, yeah. And just like, yeah, getting to encourage people and make those connections was so fulfilling. Um, but now I think that it just you know, there have been days, like even when I was in London this past fall, where I just felt so heavy and sad and just couldn't, I, I just had no motivation to get outside, uh, knowing that I needed to like, go create some content, like got me up and moving. Yeah. And I'm always happier when I'm outside doing activities. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun to like work on my photography skills and like, cause honestly taking pictures in the theater district is not easy. I know I make it look easy, but it's taken years. <laughs> it's not super photogenic. So that's, that's a fun, fun challenge is just uh, learning how to manipulate my tripod to get the shot. Yeah, for sure. So I guess thinking pre pandemic, do you have like a favorite stage door memory or a particular stage door experience that stands out to you? That's so hard. I mean, Jessica Voss last show was so fun. The stage door was insane. The audience was insane. It was like a rock concert. That was really, really fun. Personally, my favorite moments, and I usually do this on two show days, like on Sundays, we have like maybe 45 minutes in between shows, like five show weekends are really hard. And it's kind of selfish what I do because it makes me so happy and like perks me up and gives me a good attitude. But sometimes I'll walk out the stage door and see who's like in line, like waiting for autographs. And I'll just like, you know, find like a cute kid and be like, hi, do you want to come backstage with me? And just watching, you know, a kid walk on a Broadway stage for the first time. And like the look in their eye is priceless. 
So those are always my favorite stage door moments. That is so sweet. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing to do. I love that. Well, when Broadway opens back up, we will definitely come to Wicked and you can take us backstage. (laughs) I know. Yeah, please, please come visit me. Hopefully we can do backstage tours again at some point and get things back to normal. But yeah, I can't wait to be back there. And I just, I think that that's one of the coolest parts about getting to work on Broadway is knowing that you're, you're part of something so much bigger than you. Like I get to help facilitate magic. I get to help you know, create these like lifelong memories for people. And it's not even the memory. I think it's the feeling in that moment. Like when you're watching Elphaba, like fly across the audience and, you know, seeing the Emerald city for the first time, or even like the moment when the lights dim and the the orchestra starts to play, it's just like the, I think experiencing live theater, it's just the feeling that you feel, I'm going to start crying. It's just, it's where I feel most alive. I think it's one of the coolest like things you can experience as a human being. Like there's just, there's nothing like seeing a show live. So I love being part of it. I, that is so well said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the electricity. And like you said earlier, it's just so magical and we're so excited to get back to it hopefully sooner rather than later. (laughs) So our last question for you is kind of looking at your career as a whole. What is a piece of advice that you would give to your past self coming into the city, coming into your career? What piece of advice would you want to give your past self? Oh my gosh. I'm like, where do I start? Um, wow. I, I've definitely always struggled with comparing myself to other people. You know, uh, I think that hurt me most in the beginning days of the backstage blonde because instead of like diving into you know like the stuff I'm creating today which I love and think is really awesome I was trying to be like the other girls I was trying to be like you know a normal fashion influencer and that's not who I am it's not what my brand is and it's not what my audience wants to see and it it took me a, a while to get comfortable um, and stop looking and watching what other people were doing and just focus on myself. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes for anyone in any walk of life, no matter what you're doing, like focus on yourself and stop looking around at other people because no one's really looking at you, (laughs) you know? Um, and I think another big like lesson from my twenties is that there are going to be friends that you have for, life and there are going to be people in your life for a season and then there are also people that you just pass the time with who aren't actually your friends you know it's not even in a negative way it's just truly people that you're passing the time with but yeah in New York you know it's just it's so transitional there are always people coming and going and I don't think I expected you know friends to come in and out of my life like they have yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing It's just like, you know, it's like, there's not a book on any of this. No one really prepares you. (laughs) That would be very helpful if they wrote a book on it though. (laughs) Yeah. But also I think the number one, number one thing that I, you know, wish I could go back and like tell my 21 year old self is just like focus on your finances, (laughs) you know, like stay out of debt, build that credit score, save for retirement. It's just like, you know it's just so easy to spend 
$14 on a drink at a bar, but focusing on long-term goals instead of like short-term satisfaction is so much more valuable. Yeah, it's very well said. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, Teal, thank you so much for taking the time today. We are we can't tell you how much we appreciate it and how excited we are to have you on. Like this has been so so cool and we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I this is like the best interview ever. You guys are wonderful. Thank you. And to connect with Teal on social media, check out the Backstage Blonde on Instagram and also be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you all so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Bye.